This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN New York. Happy Valentine's Day on a gorgeous Sunday, at least compared to all the other crazy, wintry, freezing days we've had. Welcome. It's Hardesty until 6 on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, uh, I got to tell you. <laughs> I was out doing some, uh, making some quick runs, and I had the chance to hear with Susan and Carlin. <laughs> and I had, I pulled over the road, pulled over on a couple of occasions. <laughs> so we will strive to be as entertaining as they were for the next three hours here on 987 ESPN. In a couple of minutes, we'll start things off with Ian Begley from SNY. And he will join us and talk a little bit about the Knicks and the Nets. This Knicks team has has shown you a lot. And while I'm not ready as a Knicks fan to tell you that they are headed to the NBA Finals this season, I'm encouraged. I like what I see from this team. I like their commitment. I like their hard play. This is a team, and you can see the young kids growing now. The more they play and the better the competition, you also get to see what they need to work on. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That's great. That's what you need to see. It is a different level from college to the pros in every sport. In every sport. It's a different level. It's speed, and I know, to the great ones. And I remember about 105 years ago talking to LeBron James. And just asking him the difference between, you know, high school and the pros. And he said, well, it's basketball. And and I've played basketball, so I'll be okay. And he's been more than okay, (laughs) to say the least. But for everybody that's not LeBron or one of the top 1% of superstars in the National Basketball Association, there is an adjustment because there's no perfect players in basketball. So while you were successful at the collegiate level, in a number of ways, in a number of positions, when you come to the pros, there's always somebody bigger, there's somebody faster, there's somebody stronger, there's somebody that has a deeper shot, there's somebody that's better. And you face more of the better people, the better athletes, every single game than you played in college. And it it can even double or triple depending on the level of team that you played in college. If you're one of the big schools, UNC, Kentucky, all right, that level is a little different, but let's say you're, uh, you know, another, another league, a little lower league where the competition is not the same. And you, and you find it. And here's where we find that out. We find that out in the tournament, right? That's how we find out where teams match up and how teams stack up against each other and teams that have faced tougher competition either in their own conference or outside of their conference normally does a better job and has the chance to go further in the tournament because they have that experience, right? They know what they need to get better on. They continue to practice, which is the other thing that is the difference between the NBA and college. You don't get to practice as much. You practice every single day in college, even if you're up at six in the morning. (laughs) You're practicing. You're doing something with your teammates. So there's always adjustments that you have to make. And so when you look at the young talent that the Knicks have, and and I understand everybody, 
there's certain things you can improve on, right? You can improve on ball handling. You can improve on foul free throw shooting. You can improve on your jump shot. There's things you can do to improve. Maybe not a great deal of improvement, but there's are things that you can do where you're not, it's not that bad of a weakness that can be overly exploited. Excuse me. So that's what you're starting to see with this Nick team. And I was very curious to see how they were going to respond without Mitchell Robinson because of the fractured hand. So you're looking and you see, listen, Nerlens Noel is not going to be confused with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and nobody's doing that. But what, what, but what you do see is a commitment to defense similar to Mitchell Robinson. Uh, the, the, the scoring is about the same. <laughs> Although in the first half that Mitch got hurt, he was rolling. What, he had 10 points, 14 boards? Something like that in the half? But they're similar type players. They're similar in what they think. They're similar in how they perform. They're similar. So, hey. If if you can, if you can have him, and and the problem with Norris Noel has been health. He just can't stay healthy. So, knock wood, he'll be able to stay healthy until Mitchell Robinson comes back, and Taj Gibson is going to give you what Taj Gibson can give you. But ultimately, it is how uh, Tom Thibodeau ingratiates the minutes with Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly and Alfred Payton. And R.J. Barrett and all those, all the, all the, all the backcourts, and Austin Rivers. It, it, that's how it's going to be. And clearly, so far in a small sample size, you see that Austin Rivers is, you know, not getting a lot of playing time. And eventually, they'll make a decision. They'll either move him or he'll sit there or whatever. All right. But overall, the Knicks are playing better. And while I'm not saying that the Houston Rockets are a tremendously talented team. They're not a bad team. And for the Knicks to play them as well as they did, uh, that's a positive. You know, that's a positive thing. That's that's what you'd like to see. And again, I mean, the Knicks scored 121 points. I mean, wow. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's a lot of points for the Knicks. So there's things that you're seeing that you like. The question is, how do they proceed now? All right, because you could argue that they are at 13 and 15 markedly better than you thought they would be after 28 games. Okay, you could argue that. You, you could argue you didn't expect them to have 13 wins after 28 games. All right? So the question is, now that it appears as though they, can, they have overachieved what do you do now? Okay, you've added Derrick Rose because you needed some scoring punch off the bench. All right, so now what's the next move? Is the next move to stand pat? Is the next move to, you know, try to go for the home run like a Bradley Beal? Is that the next step? Is the next step to get another mid, little younger veteran player in the front court? Is that the next move? What is the next move for this Nick team? That, that is the question. Because you want to have a balance, right? And I, and I love the fans who love the way the young players are playing. And I enjoy watching the young players as well. I enjoy watching quickly. I, I'm starting to get a little better feel for uh, Obi Toppin because Toppin's starting to get some more playing time. So I love that. But 
for you to have a successful team, it's a nice blend of veterans and young players. Okay, and that's what you want on your team. And so, also, I know many of you were saying, well, let's give her the Randall, let's give her this, but you're in a situation now where you're kind of pushing in a playoff spot. And for me, I think it's important for your young players to know what it's like to play meaningful games in the last month of the season and possibly make a playoff run. That's how they grow. That's experience. That's what. That's how they get better. So if the Knicks stand pat, does that help them? Do they make another move or do they make a big move? It's the Larry Hardesty Show on the Sunday, Valentine's Day. Thanks for stopping by. Take your calls in a couple of minutes at 1-800-919-3776. Nice little groove for you to bring in our first guest of the afternoon. He is NBA insider extraordinaire Ian Begley from SNY TV. He is also the leading rebounder for their podcast, The Putback. Hey, Ian Begley, how are you? <laughs> What's up, Larry? How are you doing? I'm doing great, my friend. Happy Valentine's Day. To you as well, man. To you and yours. Uh, thank your wife for allowing her, for her allowing you to join me for a couple of minutes. Well, listen, uh, it was a hard bargain I had to drive, <laughs> but I got the green light and I'm here. <laughs> I know you had to give up something, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> There's something down the road you're going to have to do, so I thank you. I really do. <laughs> Just uh, added something to the list. No yeah, I'm sure. Deal. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> are you surprised that the Knicks are 13 and 15 after 28 games or because of Tom Thibodeau, is this kind of where you're expecting them to be? I'm surprised. I'm surprised. You know, like most everybody else, I thought this was going to be, you know, a 20, 25 win team. And I thought they were going to struggle. And I thought we were going to be talking about lottery odds. I thought we were going to talk about, you know, who are they going to take with, the, with their top five pick or whatever. I uh, thought it was going to be a struggle, and a lot of people did because they looked at the roster, and I don't think anyone accounted for the idea that Julius Randle was going to come back and be the kind of player he's been this season under Tom Thibodeau and his group, and no one accounted for Emmanuel quickly playing the way he has played this season. So uh, just the depth of the team and obviously the way they've defended, uh, credit to them, credit to the coaching staff, uh, I've been very surprised by where they are today. Uh, didn't have them, wouldn't have had them at 13 and 15, whatever, at this point. So now, much like you, the front office now, they're in a different position, Ian, and you're starting to hear these trade rumors again. I mean, obviously the move for Derrick Rose recently, but then you know Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. you know uh, Oladipo, you're starting to hear these trade rumors, and now the question becomes, do you how big of a move do you make? Do you make a small move to help get you more depth and more scoring, or do you make a big move in and try to go, you know, maybe top four in the division in the conference? Well, Larry, I guess my read on that would, would be that I think the, the Beal stuff, the Old Depot stuff, uh, the Zach Levine stuff, like the idea that they would try, try to be in on trades for those players, I think that would have been the case 
whether they were where they are now or whether they were a bad team, because there was a confidence there, even predating Leon Rose, that they felt they had the good pieces in place to be able to be in conversations for trades for top players because they have the draft picks and they have the cap space and they have a couple of young players that teams like. So I think that would have been the case regardless uh, of the record right now. But the question I think they're going to have to ask themselves is, you know, if they're still hovering, do they make that, that move that's not a lateral move but helps you a little bit to bolster maybe your scoring or your defense um, to make that a move towards the playoffs? Maybe the move that sacrifices the future for the betterment of the final months of the season. That's what I'm curious to see if they approach it that way at the deadline. A lot of it will depend on, obviously, how they play in Mitchell Robinson's absence, if they can – you know, if they could uh, tread water and remain kind of where they are, I think they'd be a little bit more aggressive. I think if they fall apart without Mitchell, then you could see them being sellers. So I think we'll find out a lot in the next few weeks. You know, Ian, you made a great point about Julius Randle. And, and although we still close our eyes when he puts the ball on the floor, um, still you have to give him a lot of credit for the shape he came in. And he came in ready to be a leader on this team. And he's made a difference. And he's one of the reasons why they went on and got Derrick Rose because, hey, listen, late in the game, Ian, instead of you just focusing on Randall, now the way Thibodeau can rotate his offense, he can end up with Rose and possibly quickly along being on the floor with Randall late in the fourth quarter, which is going to give the Knicks a little better chance of getting some offense. Right, right, and, and give you more down the stretch of games for sure. And the idea with, with Randall to me that, uh, the turnaround with him, the way he finds his teammates when the defense is paying attention to him, when he looks for his teammates, it's such a, a night and day difference between last year and this year. Last year, it seemed like he put his head down and he was trying to make a lot happen with the ball in his hands. And you know, I don't know if he felt, uh, you know, extra reasons to do so because of the contract or because of him being the leading guy last year. But this year, he's just taken a different approach and he's kept his head up. He's found his open teammates when people, when teams pay attention to him. He's gotten to his spots, and it's it's been a, a very different Julius Randle this year, somebody who's playing at an all-star level, in my opinion, so far. That's the voice of Ian Begley, SNY's basketball insider, also star of the uh, podcast The Putback. You're listening to the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Ian, how, how do we look at R.J. Barrett? I mean, for the first part of the, the large part of this season, he's really been good. He went through a stretch where he was averaging at least 19, 20 points a game, consecutive games. Now he's kind of hit the skids. Is this him adjusting to the uh, 48 minutes that Tom Thibodeau loves to play, <laughs> loves to play his starters? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that my guess, right, is maybe there's just been a bit of an adjustment um, to the groupings and the rotations and, He's gotten kind of fewer minutes dating back to that game before they got Derrick Rose. Um, So I don't know if there's any intent behind it, but I think his minutes are a little bit down. And, you know, his his production has been a little bit down. I kind of chalk it up more so to a a second-year player just kind of still having uh, going through ups and downs like most second-year players would, I think. By and large, what you've gotten from Barrett is he's made winning plays. He's helped you win games. You know, even if his shot is not falling, he's he's found other ways to contribute. Uh, they, again, production has been down recently. Uh, right now, I'll chalk it up to more of just the ebbs and flows of a season, uh, more so than any external factor. 
And I got to say, uh, Kevin Knox, <laughs> uh, Austin Rivers, we knew that when Derrick Rose was coming in that somebody's backcourt minutes were going to drop, and it appears that Austin Rivers is that guy. But Kevin Knox, is, mm-hmm. is, he, is he a person that we could expect if the Knicks are going to make a move, that he's going to be part of that package? Because he is just – he can't find his way off the bench unless – the Knicks score 121 points in the game. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, there were conversations with Detroit about Derrick Rose. Knox's name definitely came up. My understanding was that the Knicks didn't want to do Rose for Knox straight up. I don't know what Detroit wanted. But, I, you know, you have to think that if there's any big trade to be made, Kevin Knox is a part of it because, you know, he hasn't made the jump like, you know, the Knicks – and their fans wanted him to, but he still is a young player, very young player, and he still has another year left on his rookie deal. So he's one of the more valuable pieces, trade chips, uh, for the this Nick team, uh, You know, even though he hasn't given you a lot over the course of uh, his NBA career so far. I think other teams can see the potential there, and they see that he's under contract for next season potentially, so they like that. So I certainly think that he, if you're talking about a bigger deal, multiple players for a – for a young star coming back to New York, I think he'd be in those deals. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you on that, Ian. Uh, last thing on the Knicks, but I get you get a couple of thoughts with you about uh, Brooklyn. Uh, Obi Toppin seems to be responding to the more minutes he's gotten uh, last night, 11 points in 15 minutes. I, I have become to get a little concerned about him aggressively, but it, it's almost like when Quickly's on the floor and they were on the floor together, it was like Quickly – not that he didn't want to pass to him, but he was he was put in a position where he was able to create for himself, and I think Toppin wasn't aggressive enough. It just seems as though, just to me, uh, begs that now that Rose has been in to help take some of the pressure off of quickly, it seems that Toppin's gotten some more playing time and some more opportunities to score. Well, you've definitely seen Rose find him more than a few times in his first three games with the Knicks, and I don't know if that's intentional or not, but you've seen it. And the thing with Toppin for me, this is going to sound strange, but I think, you know, it's it's almost good for him that Julius Randle is playing the way he's playing and Obi Toppin's behind Julius Randle and there's, the team doesn't need Toppin to score or to perform on a night-to-night basis to win games. They've been able to win games uh, regardless of whether Toppin is giving them something or he isn't. I think that's going to help him or that has helped him because – Think about it this way, Larry. If there was no Julius Randle and the Knicks had Toppin starting and, you know, he, he's inconsistent like all rookies are and, and the fans are wanting to win games, you know, that, that spotlight would get pretty bright. So I think this is benefiting over Toppin in a sense because that spotlight is not there on him on a night-to-night basis. The, the thing that, is, you know, is a little concerning for me if I were paying attention to – if I were a fan of this team, I should say, is – he Obi was billed as a guy who was going to be able to come in and score right away and give young offense right away, the most uh, uh, ready player to contribute on offense. That's what he was billed as, and it hasn't been that. So I just wonder what the, the disconnect between those ideas and what we're seeing on the court is. Obviously, no tra- very small training camp, no summer league, shortened preseason. I think that hurts all rookies. Uh, but just the disconnect between the messaging before the season about Obi and what we've seen so far. Harvesting on the Sunday on 98.7 ESPN. 
1-800-919-3776. Get your thoughts on the Knicks. We just heard from Ian Begley. And uh, listen, it's an interesting proposition with Kevin Knox, okay? And the interesting proposition for me is clearly they expected him to do substantially better under the coaching that has been with this ball club, especially Kenny Payne coming in from Kentucky. And it just hasn't, it just hasn't worked. And he appears to be one of those players. And the thing about him is, which is if you're a talent evaluator, the frustrating thing with him is he's so young, you hate to give up on him. Right? You, you do. He, he's a young guy. But the frustrating thing is that he, he appears to be a guy that if his offense is cooking, he'll give you a better effort defensively. And unfortunately, this is not the coach for that. And it's but despite the fact that this is a coach that's looking for offense. <laughs> okay? So that that's the crazy thing, right? It's a coach that's looking for offense. If you could provide offense, he would stick with you a little bit. You would have a little playing time. But because you're not doing anything defensively and you're not hitting your shot, he's not playing. And you understand it. And it, it's sad because, once again, he's a young player. You have the feeling he, he can get better. But it's just not working. It's, it's just it's really frustrating. It's not, it's, it's, you don't see any change. And the bad part is you're not going to get better sitting, right? You're not going to get better sitting. You need to play to get better. If you're not playing, you're not, it's, it's, it's not working. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Off to the phones we go. Spike is in Jersey. Hey, Spike. Hey, happy Valentine to the beautiful Miss Jeanette. Make sure you, everything goes right. I'm sure you got everything under control. I'm good, Coach. <laughs> okay, I got to coach up, man. It's a big day. It's a big day. I got two trucks loading up, and the pods coming Friday, so counting the days. Wow. So here's what, here's what. That's good. It's good. It's good and it's bad, but you know, it's good. Too much snow here. Um, yeah, sure. Here's what I see. Uh, I've said this before. I said it on the air and to people we know mutually three games ago. I looked at the next 11, and I said they could win anywhere between hopefully six and eight. They don't only play one team over 500. Maybe Indiana's over 500 now. Schedule looked like it was coming around towards favoring them. Uh, she's pairing up uh, quickly with Rose, which is fine. Rose, as I told you, we talked about this with Gordon, the 20, 22 minutes. Yep. My kid just told me, boy, he looks, he's, he's quick. He looks fresh. You see the relationship with him and Taj when they're on the court together. About mm-hmm. five or six uh, pick and rolls together, beautifully done. You know, that's knowing where the guy you played with is. You know what I mean? Yes. So, what do we got here? We got quickly developing faster than we thought. I'll attribute that to the scout they brought over, uh, who was familiar with them. Uh, Leon and William Wesley and Thibodeau have done their job, gotten maximum productivity out of some players. We know who we don't want. They'll all be gone eventually. 
We need some scoring punch. Um, our defense is good. We have three or four games there. They pulled out two of them that uh, they were a little lax on closing out, but they made an inordinate amount of threes. Uh, um, Alex Burke has had a couple of off games offensively, but defensively, he's been very, very good. Uh, I'm still a little out on, um, what's the other guy would it be? Starts. I can't remember the names, Larry. Um, oh, North oh, Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullock. Uh, Bullock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's what he is. You know, he's a street shooter. He's mm-hmm. a street shooter. Uh, Burke's a little better player. So they're, they're okay. They're, they're end of the rotation guys to me when this team gets it all together. Uh, it's funny how for years we had all the money in the front court, remember? Yeah. All yeah. the money was in the front court with Amari and Carmelo and Tyson Chandler, mm-hmm. and now our strength looks like it's in the backcourt. Yeah. Uh, Obi's shown some, some, he's gotten some burn. He showed offensively he could certainly, you know, score. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see. But uh, I can't be disappointed. I didn't like losing the two games to Miami. They bothered me because they were both winnable games. But uh, this is, we got a great coach. This guy's a great coach. Uh, in the game Sunday, last Sunday, I hate to bring you back, but you haven't been on. With Miami wore those hideous uniforms. Oh. <laughs> Weird. Oh. I like to see white uniforms at home one time. One time. I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> so probably in mothballs with the orange ones, if you remember those. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they didn't win a game with them. So, so I'm watching the game, and they let Tyler Hero beat them two games back-to-back with the same shot. That's, you know. So so Bullock misses all the bunnies, and then Thibodeau gets him. You can read his lips. I mean, he's got a potty mouth. We all, you know, he's got like Yubi, mm. you know, had. Yeah. Oh, and, and you you were close you, yeah you were close enough oh, you, yeah. you'll be know what I mean oh yeah so so yeah right so so uh, he says to Peyton he he says dunk the effing ball mm-hmm. and Peyton did everything he could and dunked it you know um, he to me is a backup uh, he'll always be a backup so still need the point guard I don't know if quickly can be a point guard. He sure looks like he has the tools. Uh, forget his defense. He's going to get beaten until he, he matures. But uh, I'm, I'm happy. Um, I think the next, if you look at the schedule, I hate to do this, mm-hmm. but I always look ahead when they're on TV and make my schedule. And, and I, like I said, they're two for two in the games I thought they could win after the, the back-to-back with Miami. And if you look ahead, they have winnable games. I want to see them win a close game at home at the end of the game. How many years have you and I been talking yeah. about talked about yeah, that? True. You need a closer. I don't know who the closer is. It may be Rose. Maybe. It may be. It may be Rose. I don't know who else you can entrust with that. Could it be quickly? Coming off a curl and then having having the nerves to you know to take the shot off of a, a, a curl off of a screen. Why can't it be Randall, Spike? Well, Randall, <laughs> Randall, you run into the problem. If if Randall, Rick DiPietro pointed this out to me. Mm-hmm. If you throw the ball into the low box on the left side and Randall starts spinning, he gets caught with the baseline and they trap it and he's got his right hand to throw the ball out. Mm-hmm. Randall's played great. Randall yes. has, has exceeded every expectation I ever thought, but you and I and the millions and millions of Nick fans no, you don't want the ball in Randall's hands at the end of the game because they'll trap him. 
the only th- the only way I would give him the ball, Spike, and thanks for the phone call. I, I love talking basketball with you. Uh, the only way I would have him in the spot like that is you're right. You can't put him in the paint on near the baseline, but you have to put him off the top of the key. You have to put him either off the elbow, off the top of the key, where he's got room to turn and pivot, and he can see where if the double team's coming, he can see it. That's the only place I would put him face up and then let either quickly or Rose run off of him. But I do think ultimately in close games where you have to win in the fourth quarter, I think it's very clear. It's going to be that either Rose or quickly or both will be in the game. And maybe either uh, Bullock or Burks, whoever's hot that night. And a rebounder, probably Noel. Okay, at this point until Mitch gets back. And, you know, with the fractured hand, you saw how big that that wrapping and thing was on his hand, maybe four to six weeks. Probably has to have surgery. So it's going to be out, you know, a couple of months. So, I mean, that, that's what I would do. That's the lineup I would have on the floor. Does it... Does it compromise me defensively? Yes, but I need to score. And I can always, play, you know, I can always with timeouts do offense, defense if I need to substitute guys in. But that's what I would do in that scenario. That's what I would do. It's Valentine's Day. Honesty on a Sunday till 6. Talking Knicks with you at 1-800-919-3776. Trying to find out what we can do to improve this team. Do we change anything or do we just keep it the way it is? See what you have to say. Also on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. At NYC. Another one of my nephews. Uncle Al, unless we get a shooter as presently constituted or constructed once the guys settle in a bit more, once RJ fully gets used to these minutes, his offense will come back, we should stand pat, and there's no reason we can't legitimately fight for the eighth spot. So I, I, I'll get to the calls in a second. I agree with you, but I do think depending on what you have to give up to make an adjustment and add another scorer, as you mentioned, I think you really need to do that. You need another score. Now, if it's going to be one of the guys, if you, the guys that's not playing, like an Austin Rivers, like a Kevin Knox, then I think, you know, that's the, that's the next step. Because even as good as Derrick Rose has been, and he's been really good, and you can see he's got new life, and he really feels he's got something to prove. And it's weird because I think when you see young players, especially one from the same school that you went to when you're when you're alma mater kids, when you're Wildcats, I think that even adds to you wanting to take them under your wing a little bit and help teach them the game. But they still need somebody who is a more than average three-point scorer. That's what they're missing. Defensively, yes. If their defense and and hard play, hard nose play, 
is going to have them competing for the seventh or eighth spot or at least a play-in. Okay, so I, I think if they continue, if they continue and they kind of, you know, skate the injury situation in this, you know, this situation with um, lack of depth at center with Mitchell Robinson, who, listen, nobody's saying he's a tremendous scoring center, but he is. he does a nice job defensively. And he's the anchor for their defense. And this team's identity is defense. So if they can tread water with him and take advantage of this schedule where they can pick up some wins and steal some wins and gain confidence with these young players, it's going to be a great thing. And that's going to help them. There's no question about it. But they do need to add another score or two to get back into, you know, to, to be a better team. Because they need a they need see for me they need a bigger margin for error. Okay, th- that's what they need. They need a bigger margin for error. This is a team, and look, throw out yesterday because they that was an exceptional game, and they ran into a Rockets team that shot eighteen percent from three. <laughs> you know, that's unusual, uh, but you know defensively they, they have to sell out defensively. I mean, you know the book on the Knicks. It's simple. They play hard defensively. They get some steals. They they overplay the passing lane. They get some easy baskets. They hit some shots. You know, uh, Julius Randle gives you a 20 and 10. You get something from the bench. You get something from quickly. Now you get something from Rose. Peyton, when he's, you know, still when he's playing well, as he's had the past couple, past couple of weeks, with maybe a one or two game exception, he's played well. That's how they have to win. And you would like to have a different margin, especially coming down. Because they go through lows where they don't score like a lot of teams in the NBA, but they can't afford those those lows like that. They need somebody to hit some threes. They just need another more consistent three-point score. Back to the phones. Let's see what you have to say. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Happy uh, Valentine's Day to you and the missus. You and yours the same, you know. Thank you, sir. We'll go out for dinner in a little while. Just waiting for my daughter to get off a rehearsal. She got the Zoom thing going on. Oh, okay. You know, for the, um, for the oh, theater right. art, so nice. just waiting for that, you know. Cool. Listen, man, with your yes, um, sir. with your boy just got paid. You know what is really more more scary and concerning to me is not just that you know he doesn't um doesn't play well if the shots not falling and defense is bad. When I look at him on the bench, like I mean, he's all good with not playing. Mm-hmm. I don't see yeah. any fire. I don't see, like, you know, like, I got to turn this around. Like, I'm upset that they're not playing me. I don't know if you could give that to somebody. You know, some people have that and some people don't. I just yeah. I just don't see it with him, man. You know what I mean? And it's so scary, Buddha, because that's what that, that was the knock on him in, in college. That he was a guy, Knox, that he was a guy that, that, you know, sometimes had to be motivated. And you figure, well, come on, now you're a pro. You, If you're not motivated to be in the NBA among the best, then maybe this game in for you. Yeah, totally agree. You know, now what you're talking about with the three-point, what the Knicks need, I mean, it's clear to me. I don't know what anybody else is seeing. I hear a lot of people calling. They were talking about the trade for Beal, that, like, they would just give up draft picks. They would give up Randall. I think you need Randall with Beal because if you just give Randall, if you just get Beal and you don't have Randall, 
Now that's another 20-something points. This is like going back to the same thing you had before you traded for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this stuff with this R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, this love affair that like some fans have with them, I mean, I really I don't see it. I feel bad for Mitchell Robinson. He broke his hand and everything. You know, I would have packaged him. You want R.J. Barrett, I'll put him in the back of the truck. I'll drive him right over there because I, I just need to know what is it that R.J. Barrett does well? I think Thibodeau squeezed everything out of him. And also, like, when, we, when your team is so bad and you get any player, like, that comes from, like, one of those big universities that you saw him, you know, on the NCAA tournament, and you're like, okay, we're happy to have him. He's not as good as those other two guys. It's a significant drop-off between Moran and Zion and him. And, mm-hmm. you know, on a good team, if the team was really good and set the win, he's not even going to be a starting – I mean, come on, he's a guard. He goes to one side of the court, one hand. He can't shoot. I don't know how many times he drives down the lane and gets to the rim and can't finish. The athleticism is average at best. In the league, you see it all around the league. And, I mean, even on players and teams that are not that good, your two-guard, he's got to be able to give you 20, 25, 30 on a good night. I mean, I just don't see it. I, I, I would ship him off. and Like I said before, we even got Rose. I, I told you before, I said, look, they need to feature him because he has name recognition. And I can see how another team could say, all right, that could be a piece to what we're trying to do. Even the coach, if you pay attention, when they asked him about uh, Mitchell Robinson, he said, well, Noel does similar to – like he, he knows that Mitchell Robinson is not really going to be a part of his future in his mind, the coach. And with R.J. Bad, as soon as Rose got here, all of a sudden he stopped playing. What, what game was that um, the other day? It was the fourth quarter. They were down three. They took him off the court to put somebody else in. Like, that's not a starting two guard, folks. That's, it's not. It just really isn't. Yeah, you know, Buddha, and thanks for the phone call, it's, uh, it's a situation where I just think because players are so young, uh, you really, you really try to give them a chance to improve, and I think RJ, I, I hear what you're saying about his athleticism. I agree with you that he needs to do a better job in finishing because he can get to the basket, even though people know where he's going. He's still able to get to the basket. He's still able to do that. He just really has to grow some more, get back in that weight room, get some upper body strength, and try to do something where he can finish baskets. Because I'm saying he gets to the basket. Uh, the three-point shooting, it's better. It's not great. It's better. And, yeah, I hear what you're saying as a starting two. Maybe he's a guy that needs to come off the bench. and He would be coming off the bench on a really good team. You're right. He would be a kid that would be coming off the bench who would be getting meaningful minutes and, you know, might be might be a little better suited for that. But on this team, I still think because of his size and his ability to get to the basket, he's he's a positive player. Uh, he's gone through a slump these past couple of days, no question. His his minutes have dropped, no question. And now we get to see what he does. Okay, this is the response. All right, do you really want to play? Do you really want to play this game? Show me. This is this is why, and and this is what's fun about watching your young players because this is when you learn about them. Everybody's great when things are going well. Everybody's great. When you're scoring 20 points and you're getting the ball and the team is winning, ah, we having a ball. Everything is great. It's when you're struggling or there's a change 
or you've got an injury or some adversity, that's when we see what you're made of as a player, as a person. And we'll find a lot out about R.J. Barrett, how he responds to the fact that his playing time has been cut. One of the things I've noticed in a couple of the games is that he doesn't look up on fast break situations. I don't know that his head is up all the way where there's players open on the wing. Either he doesn't see him or doesn't want to pass to him, and he goes in, and then what happens is he'll go in for a tough layup where he could have just passed the ball earlier to another player who's got an easier layup. So I'm not sure what he's seen, but that's one of the things that, that I've been concerned about he needs to adjust in this game. Don's in Westchester. Hey, Don, you're next on 98.7. How you doing, Larry? What's up, Don? How you doing, man? Listen, hey, the Knicks, I like the direction they're uh, going in, but I think they should package Knox, Nilakina for like a J.J. Redick, a veteran shooter who can hit, knock down the wide-open three. I know he's a liability on defense, but we can make that move without and still keep our young core intact and still build. Do you agree with that? Yeah, Don, I agree with that. Thanks for the phone call. I know, and and there's been a number of folks who have talked about adding J.J. Redick, uh, and he is that three-point shooter. I don't know, though, if – see, I don't know what his contract situation is. I don't know if he's got no trade contract. I know that he – it was weird because he was sent to New Orleans, right? And he really kind of loved, wanted to be in the New York area. Uh, but he got moved to New Orleans. I'm not sure uh, what his contractual situation is, but that is the type of player I'm looking for. It's it's a it's an upgrade, but it's not an upgrade that's going to just blow your young players out of the water. Like you're not losing one of your you're not losing quickly. You're not losing Toppin. If depending on what you think, you're not losing Barrett. All right, it's it's not what it's not one. If if you really like Barrett, I'm saying it's not one of those. It's a slight adjustment where you get the chance to improve your offense, right? But you're not giving up a ton of your young capital or future draft choices to do that. It's a marginal grade, marginal improvement. And that's how you build your young teams, right? And that's how you you look and you modify and you gradually get better. Even though it's a veteran move, it's a veteran guy who, you know, shows these players how to win, work ethic, how to shoot the three, how they're practicing, all the stuff. Okay, that's so I'd be – I'd like that deal. That's the type of deal I'm looking for. And I agree with you, Don. That's what they need. <laughs> The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two, Sunday edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by, especially on Valentine's Day. Hope you are having a great one, getting ready for the main event this evening. If possible, maybe, you know, a little dinner. If you're going out, you know what I say, be, be safe. Safely distanced. Make sure you. There's a couple of tables between you and the, the next group that's out there. 
you know, want you to be safe out there as you celebrate Valentine's Day. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Thank you, Spike. I forgot. I forgot Derek Rose went to Memphis. I don't know why I had him going to Kentucky. I really don't. I really don't. But anyway, my, my point was that veterans sometimes when they come to a team where you see a lot of young players, okay, you, you kind of relive your younger days and you're experienced and you see a lot of yourself sometimes in these players. And, um, you know, it just causes you to be different, help them out. You know, it just does. It's just, it's, it's just sometimes it gives you a new lease. Sometimes the young players get the old veterans rolling again, right? <laughs> so a conversation with the Knicks is what should, what trade do you think they should make right now that would help them? Should it be a big monumental trade? Like you're bringing in the Bradley Beal and you're giving up, you know, players on the current roster and players and future draft picks. Or you just need for this year, do you just need a marginal, a marginal upgrade, like the upgrade you have in obtaining Derrick Rose, a guy who's familiar with Thibodeau, who's familiar with Thibodeau's system, and, you know, someone who really adds some scoring punch off your bench and can be around and is savvy enough to give you and Julius Randle who's your leading scorer, some options late in games in the fourth quarter when the game is on the line. Emmanuel quickly was asked about playing with Derrick Rose and what that's like and what's that been like since uh, Rose has been here, and here's what he had to say. Uh, it's great. I appreciate you know God for the opportunity getting to play with a legend, uh, probably a Hall of Famer easily. So, um, and, and one of the greatest players I've seen you know on the floor in in, in my early years. So, um, it's great to be able to learn from somebody like that on the floor, off the floor. I'm just glad that I got the chance to play with him and stuff like that. And of course, then we're talking about how the Knicks really played very well against the the Rockets yesterday. Rockets had trouble shooting the basketball, like 18 percent, a little over 18 percent from three. Uh, so, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I would say that Tom Thibodeau would be encouraged because coaches are never happy. But I would say he would be encouraged. So he was asked what went well yesterday. Well, the balance of the team and our bench has given us a big lift. And uh, you need that in a, in a game like tonight where we're on a back-to-back. They're sitting here waiting for us. I thought our energy was terrific. And your three of your five starters were in double figures, and two guys off the three guys off the bench were in double figures. So, you know, listen, if 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 they can find that type of scoring ability consistently with the way they play defense, they're going to be tough. Omar's in Brooklyn. Hey, Omar, you're next on ninety-eight-seven. How are you, Larry? I'm all right, Omar. What's happening? Uh, listen, two or three small things. First, uh, I like JJ Redick. But uh, uh, the asking price is uh, a lot of teams are involved and some people, uh, some teams are ready to give uh, even a late first-round pick. And Knicks are not willing to do that. They're, they're not going to take it for okay, Kevin Knox or Frank Lakina. So that's why uh, the trade hasn't happened. I have heard uh, Boston and uh, uh, some two, three teams are willing to trade big thing for uh, uh, J.J. Reddick. I like him, and uh, it does not... Uh, Mess up my future, but I'm not giving no Dallas pick for J.J. Reddick for mm-hmm. 
six months, uh, three months remaining. That, I agree that with is that. not okay. And secondly, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, whatever the name of this, the name I forgot, uh, uh, that he was, uh, he's ready to trade uh, R.J. Barrett. Mm. R.J. Barrett, he's, you know what he's good in? Uh, you wanted to ask, uh, he wanted to ask what he's good in? Mm-hmm. He's playing all the time defensive team ranking. He was guarding, uh, uh, what is his name, Quiet Leonard one-on-one the mm-hmm. whole game. He's guarding the best small wing position sometimes one-by-one one only. He's a great, great defender. He's a, he can create his own shot. It's second year. He has improved all of his uh, game from last year. If he struggles two games and somebody else come in for that minute and that play, when he took him out, they were going for a three-point play. And he's not a great three-point shooter. So if you take out for a, a team sequence that the guy who is a better shooter than him, it's not a big thing. The, the guy made, the, when they set up a play for a two-point, they set up a play for Archie Barrett. He almost drained it. He missed that uh, field goal. He has to drain it. You should drain that one, uh, going to the basket. He didn't make it against the Miami Heat. But basically... He set up a play. There is nothing wrong with R.J. Barrett. I, I will take 15 R.J. Barrett, and he starts shooting. Everybody losing shooting. What was LeBron James throwing brick? I asked um, uh, 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 my friend, who is a better shooter at this time? And at the Kumpo, R.J. Barrett. He says, R.J. Barrett. I said, who is going to be a better shooter in the future? R.J. Barrett or the Kumpo? He said, R.J. Barrett. So the guy, uh, the guy who cannot shoot is the MVP of this league. If R.J. Barrett cannot shoot, he will improve day by day. That's a one and a half year of his contract. He doesn't have, he will improve. R.J. Barrett is staying in this team. He's the future. But you will admit, Omar, and thanks for the phone call, you will admit that really that is not a fair comparison to trade uh, as far as comparing who's a better shooter and, and saying that for the MVP because Atitokounmpo does other things. He is, he is unstoppable in the painted area. He is a guy who is also a plus defender. The issue that Buddha has with RJ, and it's the issue I think that a lot of people have with him, and we're not talking about his defense. His defense has been solid. You're correct. But when you are a starting two guard in the NBA, a starting two, you are expected to be a bit more of a scorer than he has been. Now, he has improved, and you're right. And he went through a couple of, of he went through a couple of weeks where he was, as I mentioned with Ian Begley, he went through a couple of weeks where he was in the 20s, scoring 20 points a game, and that was excellent, and that was great. But with young players, and that's why you pause. That's why it's such it's so tough when you have a young team to decide who you continue to wait on and who you give up on, because young players are usually inconsistent other than the upper, upper 1% who are just great players. They're normally inconsistent, so they're going to go through highs and lows. And you ride with them through those highs and lows. So the question is, as a starting two, while he has improved, he needs to, do, he needs to be more consistent with the jumper. Maybe the jumper needs to be a mid-range jumper, Omar. Maybe that's what it needs to be. I know he, was, he had shown some improvement from three. Then that disappeared. So... For me, what he needs to do is continue to drive the lane, do a better job finishing, okay? And the question is, what is his upside going to be? 
is his upside offensively. And, yeah, defense has a place. There's no question. But this is still a league where you got to be able to score. And the question is, will he be a plus – will he to continue to increase his scoring where he's more consistent that you can say, okay, he's going to give me 18 points a game. Is that – I know. I can write it down. 18 points a game. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. And that's what you expect from starting two guards in the NBA. Yes, he's yes he's very good defensively. Yes, you can switch him off uh, on other players. Sometimes he guards the three, as you mentioned. You know, he can do that. He's got versatility there. But his scoring is what needs to improve consistently. <laughs> Hardesty on the Sunday with you. Talking a little sports in the afternoon. This is a weird Sunday. There's no, you know, you're looking for no NFL, no basketball, right? Baseball a couple of months away. This is that lull. Yeah, everybody's watching the auto race, and then they had a couple of weather delays and a big accident, multi-car accident. So that slowed things down. But it's Valentine's Day, so make sure you guys have a good time and, and enjoy your Valentine's Day. And as I did with Ian Begley, I'm uh, welcoming in Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for us at ESPN, also uh, has an outstanding podcast called The Flight Deck. And Rich, thank you, and thank uh, your wife for allowing you to give me a couple of minutes today. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. I, I don't know about you, but I am going through some football withdrawal today. You know, It's, it's weird, right? You're used to something on Sunday, and it's taken away for a while now. So I'm watching golf, which is uh, the next best thing to to watching football. Well, listen, if if I played, if if my golf game was as good as yours, I might watch a little more golf too. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not very good. I just love the scenery. I mean, what's better than watching Pebble Beach? You know, when you're True. frozen in the north in the Northeast on a cold, wintry day, than watching those guys out in Carmel, California. So that, you're right about that. Pretty cool. Yep. Rich, I got to tell you, and, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but Sam Darnold has, has such a – it is such a wide variety of opinions <laughs> on Sam Darnold. Yeah. It is amazing. It is, I can't think of any quarterback in recent memory, Rich, where you could split 50-50. I don't care who it is. Half the people you talk to think he could be a very good quarterback. The Jets shouldn't move on. And the other half are like, oh, come on, listen – you need to move on and get another quarterback. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. I could just tell, you know, maybe I'll do a Twitter survey, uh, you know, this week uh, because I could tell just from the response on my timeline, it is pretty split. You know, it's, he's a very polarizing guy, you know, and I think part of it is, you know, the society we live in now, like that Chad Pennington promo just with Greeny, just before I came on talking about how people want results immediately from the quarterbacks. Now in Chad's case, it hasn't been immediate. He's been here for three years, so he's had an opportunity, but uh, I don't think a great opportunity given the surrounding cast and, and the coaching that he's had to uh, experience. So, yeah, it's a fascinating question, and I don't think anybody knows how it's going to play out. I'm not mm. sure the Jets know at this point. You know, so it's uh, we'll know by April 29th, the night of the draft. It, and and 
this is also, Rich, kind of a rare situation for the Jets to find themselves in. They've got a quarterback. They've got a, they're, they've got a high draft spot. And they've got, you know, draft choices and money that they could get. This is unusual for a Jet team to be in this position. And they could get more draft choices because yep. if they want to stay with Sam and go with it for another year, you can bet there will be teams that will be very interested in that second pick. You know, Atlanta picking four is going to be looking for a quarterback. Carolina at eight is very interested in uh, looking for a quarterback. They've been in, they were involved in the Stafford uh, talks. Uh, they're going to be involved in all these uh, quarterbacks who are going to be on the move. So the Jets, if they keep that pick, will have an opportunity to trade down and accumulate at least another you know, day one or day two draft pick. You know, you're probably talking maybe even a future one, you know, or, or a two or something this year. It's going to be good if they keep that, if they trade that pick and keep Sam. So their, their draft capital stockpile could increase if they decide to go that route. Rich, from the people you speak to, uh, would you say that they, if they decide to draft a quarterback that, because I'm hearing a lot of Wilson, more Wilson than I heard before, Rich. I, I think more Fields in the beginning, but I'm starting to hear more Wilson. Do you have an idea if they decide to draft a quarterback and keep that number two draft choice and choose a quarterback? you have any idea which way they might go? Uh, honestly, at this point, no. But from talking to people you know, who follow this a lot closer than I do, uh, you know, Wilson seems to have moved ahead. I think – he would be better immediately. I mean, he's a more skilled passer than Justin Fields right now. But I even talked to someone, uh, a personnel executive, who said, watch, two or three years down the road, Justin Fields is going to be a better quarterback uh, if you're willing to, to go through the growing pains. Because I think Justin's a little further away just in terms of uh, processing the game and you know reading defenses. So he's going to take a little bit more time than Zach Wilson. But once he gets there, you know – this one personnel executive felt that he would be better than Zach Wilson. So I think Wilson is probably the number two at this point behind Trevor Lawrence. And, um, and then it's really a beauty in the eye of the beholder after that. One more quarterback uh, question for you, which I with Rich Semini, who covers the Jets for us here on, uh, on ESPN. You can read his articles, ESPN.com and check out that podcast. The flight deck is outstanding. Um, Rich, what do you think, the Jets are willing to give up if indeed they have the opportunity to get Deshaun Watson? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, what's going to happen is like, we don't know if they're going to trade him or not. So the Jets cannot allow themselves to be held hostage by the Watson situation because there's no certainty there. I mean, I talk to people I talk to were convinced that he's not getting traded and that Nick Casario is going to hold firm and, and not trade to Sean Watson. So uh, the Jets have to go along with their business, whatever that may be. Maybe it's trading Darnold, maybe it's keeping Darnold and, you know, and, and trading that draft pick. So, um, but if it gets to a, if it's April 27th and they still have Darnold on the roster and all of a sudden Houston decides to say, Hey, we're going to take offers on Deshaun Watson. I think the Jets would be very interested First of all, um, I think they'd probably be on his list of teams that he'd go to because we know he has the no trade. And I think 
you know, they would offer multiple number ones. I don't know if the part with the players, though. I, first of all, they don't have that many players they can even offer. You know, mm-hmm. who are they going to offer? They could offer Quinn Williams, but I don't think they want to go down that road. You know, he's a young, developing player, so I think they would offer their draft picks. And then, you know, we're talking at least two, maybe three uh, number ones. And But that number two pick is basically like two number ones. Mm-hmm. If you look at the point value system, you know, it, it is the equivalent of about, you know, two lower first-round draft picks. So they have to take that into mind as well. And if they do make that offer, can they turn around and flip Darnold for maybe a low one or, or a high two and recoup some of the draft picks that they're sending to Houston? So it's a very, very complicated process. I do think the Jets would be involved if it gets down to that. But the word you hear right now is that Houston is holding firm and they're not going to trade him. Listen, Rich, I wouldn't trade him. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, I mean you don't want to. You don't want to trade him. I mean, this is a player that. I mean, it's a twenty-five-year-old franchise quarterback. He's one of the top, you know, what three, four, five quarterbacks in the league, and you don't trade guys like that, especially when he's signed through twenty twenty-five. That's that's yeah. the crazy thing. He's on a very reasonable contract considering the market, so you don't trade guys like that. But the question is. You know, it's a new coach there. You know, it's a new GM. They want to start fresh and, and do things their own way. Do, you, do they want this hanging over their head as they go into training camp? And then they have, you know, then they start finding this player and so forth. And it gets really, really ugly. Do they want to go through that? So these are all different things that they have to consider. It's true. And for them, you know, they have to really make the decision, Rich, because if they want to get draft choices, they have to make this, they have to decide what they're going to do before draft night. Well, Otherwise, exactly. I keep it for Jets, a year. Yeah, the Jets wanted something similar last year with Jamal, except Jamal, it was it was money driven. He wanted a new contract. Deshaun doesn't want a new contract. He just wants to get out of Houston. So, uh, you know, the Jets, and I wrote this at the time, I said, if Joe Douglas wants to trade Jamal Adams, do it before the draft or during the draft because you're going to get the immediate compensation. You know, the Jets told everyone, we're not trading Jamal Adams. We want to make him a Jet for life. And that plan, um, backfired to a certain degree they ended up getting a good return on him in late july but you know they had to wait a year before they can realize you know enjoy the fruits of that compensation rich we we focus so much with the jets about you know the quarterback and and the situation with darnold and watson and you know what's coming out what are the next three positions on this team that really need to be upgraded through the draft well, I mean, it's hard to limit it to three. I mean, but, I mean, they need uh, – they're going to draft a running back. I mean, you know, they they basically do not have a number one running back on the roster right now. So they will draft a running back. They will draft a wide receiver. Could be pretty high on the wide receiver. Could be even their first pick if they keep it. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, they they need corners. You know, they have guys on the roster, you know, like Bryce Hall and, and Bless Austin. They need a number one corner, you know, then, and they don't have a guy on the roster right now. I'm not even sure they have a number two corner on the roster, so they need to draft corners. They need an edge rusher. You know, they're switching to a 4-3 under Robert Sala. They're going to play that San Francisco defense, which is, um, you know, they have that Leo position. It's almost like a wide nine. It's like a hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. You need a guy like uh, Bosa that San Francisco has. Mm. Jets don't have that guy. Not a, not a lot of teams have a Bosa, but, 
you know, you need that kind of player and an edge rusher who can pressure with speed, and the Jets do not have that. So that would be something on their draft list as well. And they got to do something. What what do they need to do on the offensive line, Rich? Are they reasonably happy with the offensive line the way it is with a couple of tweaks? I mean, I know they're happy with Becton, but do they need to get some help on the other side of that line? You know, they have George Fant on the other side. I, I think he was uh, serviceable last year. He's got a, uh, a deadline coming up with uh, with some money that becomes guaranteed. You know, I think they'll end up paying him about 8 or $9 million this year. Um, so that's a, somewhat of a money decision involved. Um, my sense is that he'll probably be back and be their right tackle. Their interior needs to be upgraded. Now, Connor McGovern's not going anywhere. He's got an $8 million guarantee. He performed rather, it was pedestrian-like last year. He even admitted at the end of the year that he got off to a really rough start. And I think he got better as the year went on. So they, they'll keep him, possibly even kick him out to guard. You know, he's played a lot of guard in his career, depending on what they find in free agency in the draft. But So he's a keeper. But the two guard positions, I think, uh, they will look to make changes, and that's Alex Lewis and Greg Van Roten, both under contract, but both could be cap casualties at some point. So you're going to see uh, some movement in the interior of the uh, offensive line. Rich, uh, enjoy this day because I think as we get closer, your, your Sundays are going to be pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, I got about one more weekend that'll be uh stress-free and then and then we're into it you know the league year starts on march 17th and Mm -hmm. and you know these cuts have already started i mean it's like what you know so the the waiver season is upon us uh and i do think the jets will have some cuts coming up and away we go and free agency is going to be big they got money to spend got money to spend and uh so they'll be very active we'll see if they spend it a little more aggressively than they did last year. I, I think possibly they will be a little bit more aggressive and uh, as they should be. And, of course, we have all the quarterback talk. So it's going to be a really, really compelling offseason. And you can follow it with Rich Cimini. He's on uh, ESPN.com. And as I mentioned, the Flight Deck podcast is outstanding. He's got great guests on there and great information. Rich, always, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Thanks, Larry. Have a good one. You too. Rich Cimini. All right, what do you think? 1-800-919-3776. Give me your thoughts on the Jets. Uh, your thoughts about, you know, Sam Darnold. It, it is, I've got to tell you, and it's with our analysts, you could go show to show to show on this station, on TV, the various shows. It is, it is incredible how people look at the same player and and just have two totally different perceptions about how his his talents it, it it it's it's unbelievable it is we're talking about Sam Darnold it is amazing it is amazing how many people look at him and say oh he's going to be what just oh and and this is not looking at this is not about you know the quarterback. It's not about the offensive line. Some people say, well, he just doesn't he doesn't have to show me anything. Other people say, well, how can he show you because of the offensive line and coaching and this and that. And but you know the things that you know my line, the things that he could control. Did he did he show you? Did he look at the right? Did he look people off? Did he throw the ball? Things that he could control. It is it is amazing.